It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, and here we are on Friday, Friday of the sixth week in Ordinary Time. I'm Josh Raymond, and so glad to have you with us here for this hour of The Inner Life, our program about spiritual direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Every day at this time, we try and understand how God might be speaking to us, some of the ways that we can grow closer to God, that we can grow in holiness, that we can love God that greatest commandment that Jesus gave us, love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and the second greatest, how we can love our neighbor as ourself. And so I hope it's been a good week for you as today we begin our, our program here. Uh, when's the last time you had a flat tire? And when you had that flat tire, did you change it yourself? Did you put the spare on? Or did you have to call somebody out to help you come change it for you? A couple of days ago, I drove into the offices here at Relevant Radio, and apparently somewhere along the way, I ran over a couple of nails uh, driving in, because after I'd been there through the morning, and I did the Inner Life broadcast there on Wednesday, I walked out of the studio, I walked back to my office, and immediately received a text from one of my coworkers here, Neil. And Neil said he had just stepped out for some lunch, saw that my front passenger tire was flat. And right after that, another colleague stopped by to tell me the exact same thing. So I tried to finish up things I needed to do as quickly as possible, and I went out and I put on that little spare donut tire, and I drove over to a tire shop close to where I live, and I spent the next hour and then some just waiting, first of all, to see if they could repair the tire. Unfortunately, they couldn't. The nail went in too far uh, next to the sidewall of the tire, so the tire had to be replaced. Well, the next day, I stopped in to thank Neil for letting me know about the tire when he saw it, and we started swapping stories about our experiences with flat tires. And, you know, oh, this one was bad, or this was, yeah, I I didn't know how I was going to handle this one. The worst one I had, this was before I was married. It was an early morning in the winter, before sunrise. I was driving, I lived out of town, I was driving on this country road that is a winding road that ran alongside a river. Lots of blind corners. And as this highway was meandering around the path of the river, it's snowy, it's icy, it's dark out, and I came around one of those corners, and there were these really big chunks of ice that had probably fallen off of a semi. And they were right in the middle of the lane, and I didn't have time enough to swerve and dodge them. Both passenger side tires went over those jagged chunks of ice. One tire, the front one, blew out immediately. In fact, the rim was dented. The hubcap, it popped off because of the force of the impact and flew out into the river. It was lost. I never, never got it back. The other tire appeared fine, but just knowing the damage to that front tire, I thought, oh, I'm not sure about this. But I quickly pulled off. I put on the spare for the one blown out tire. I drove in the rest of the way to go to get to work and worked my shift. And sure enough, when I came out at the end of work that day, the other tire was flat. But I was telling Neil because 
this was at a time before cell phones. I was so blessed. I was so fortunate that that second tire lasted enough to let me get into town. And Neil actually said he was talking with his daughters just a couple days before about that thing, about how they had passed a car on the side of the road where that car was broken down, the driver was inside the car on their phone, but Neil explained to his girls, well, it used to be common practice. You'd stop and help pretty much anyone you saw stranded on the side of the road. Didn't matter if you knew them or not. And most of the time, you, of course, wouldn't know them. If you had a flat tire, if your car broke down, you either had to fix it yourself or you had to rely on the kindness of someone driving by to help, whether that's taking you to a payphone or taking you to an auto shop close by where you could have your car towed in. Or maybe they might even be able to help you if it was a minor enough repair and you could kind of limp your car down the road to where you could get it, you know, more properly fixed and looked at. All because cell phones weren't regularly available, you know, 20, 25 years ago. And as Neil was telling me this, how he was explaining this to his daughter, uh, both daughters, I'm sorry, two daughters, uh, about before cell phones were really used by people, it kind of struck me that as nice as it is to be able to make that call on the side of the road, I also found it a little sad that our cell phones have taken away that opportunity for us to offer that help, that assistance to someone who's stranded there on the side of the road. Now, don't get me wrong. I would much rather live at this time where I really can just call immediately and get help there. But, and, and I, I also think, you know, for my wife, for my kids that are of driving age, I love the fact that they can call immediately if something breaks down with their vehicle. But I do think that this is one way that we no longer get to show some kindness to that stranger in need or even allow a stranger to help us when we are in that moment of, of needing some help. Technology, it can really benefit us in so many great ways, but along with those benefits, do you think, have we perhaps not noticed that we've lost some of those golden opportunities to help our neighbor? Do we have to be maybe a little more deliberate when we try and help someone in need, looking for those opportunities? Well, today on The Inner Life, we want to discuss the ways that Jesus calls us to help those around us. How do we live out Christian charity? How do you live that out? How do I live that out? Today we're going to look at the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy. And joining us for the hour as our spiritual director, Father Ed Broom is back with us once again. Father Broom is a priest with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He's the associate pastor at St. Peter Chanel Church in Hawaiian Gardens, California. Father Broom, so glad to have you back here for the program today. Great to be with you, Josh. Great to be with you, as always. Well, and we've got a lot of ground to cover here with both the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy. And um, maybe we can, because we've got these two categories, these works of mercy, maybe we can just take one group at a time and begin with the corporal works of mercy. Um, With those, we mainly look at Jesus' words when he talks about the parable of the the sheep and the goats there in the 25th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel. And this is kind of that primary place that we get the list of the corporal works of mercy. Can you walk us through what those works are, just so that we have a starting point for the hour? Sure. Thanks, Josh. Yes, if you can read Matthew chapter 25, you have most of them. But these would be the seven corporal works of mercy. To feed the hungry, 
to give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to shelter the homeless or to welcome the stranger, to visit the imprisoned, to visit the sick, and then to bury the dead. Those are the classical seven corporal works of mercy. So with those, in that passage that we look at there in St. Matthew's Gospel, most of those are then when Jesus is talking and he's speaking to the people who are at the final judgment there. He says that he is the one who is identified by the one being, you know, he's the one being helped by the actions, by our actions, by those he's talking to there in that parable. Can you talk about how when we are helping someone, it's not just another person, but Jesus really says, when we help the least of our brothers or our sisters, we're really helping him. Sure. I think the first one that I was exposed to, I was probably five or six years old, was um, in the life of St. Martin of Tours. St. Martin of Tours was a, a soldier in the Roman army, and he found himself in France in a very cold time of the year. And um, he looked down from his horse. It was late at night, very cold, and he saw a man that was laying there on the street, shivering with cold. And Martin had a cape on, and he took his sword, and he actually cut the cape in two pieces. And he gave the cape to, uh, to the man that was half naked. And that very night, uh, St. Martin had a vision, and he saw that Jesus was actually wearing that cape. And that was uh, an impetus. Uh, at that point, Martin was not even a Catholic yet. That was an impetus for him to, um, to enter into the Catholic faith, and then he was baptized, and he became a priest, he became a bishop, and he was known as Martin the Charitable. So I was probably five or six years old when I was exposed to that. I never forgot that. And as a little child, I was aware of the fact that you know, these people that are are walking around us with problems, um, it's not so much the person, but it's actually the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's the the first um, example I remember. I was probably in kindergarten, maybe first grade, but it, it left a, an indelible impression upon my little mind. You know, I've never heard that story of St. Martin of Tours before. Um, It kind of strikes me, listening to you tell that, it's almost the opposite of how St. Paul was converted by Christ. Instead of, you know, Paul, why, or Saul at the time, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Jesus identifies as the church, as his followers that are the ones that are being persecuted by Saul, who eventually becomes Paul. In this case, with St. Martin of Tours, it's giving that image, that ability for St. Martin to then recognize, instead of persecuting, the person he's helping is actually Jesus. And it almost strikes me that Jesus will speak to us however he needs to. He'll reach out to us so that we can have that conversion. If at all possible, if our hearts are open to following Christ, he's going to show us what we need to see, how we need to hear him, so that he'll bring us into his family, into the body of Christ. Yes. One of the best examples over the past several years, of course, would be Mother Teresa of Calcutta, 
I had the privilege of meeting her more than once. And one of my favorite stories is that she opened up a soup kitchen in Calcutta, and uh, she and her nuns would serve many, many people every day. And it turned out that on one occasion, one of the sisters said to Mother Teresa, we don't have enough uh, means to get food for the poor. So the sister said, Mother, we probably have to close the house. And Mother said, no, let's go into the chapel, uh, and we'll spend the whole night in prayer in front of the Blessed Sacrament. So Mother Teresa with the nuns, they spent the whole night in prayer in front of the Blessed Sacrament, the Bread of Life. And Mother Teresa trusted that God would intervene. What happened was the following day, the school district mentioned the fact that they had to close all of the schools in that district and to send all the food in the cafeteria to the soup kitchen of Mother Teresa. So (laughs) it's so beautiful in that how you have those two corporal works of mercy feed the hungry, and give drink to the thirsty. But it came about as a result of Mother Teresa and her nuns kneeling down in front of the bread of life and and begging God to help them to be able to help out Jesus and the poor. And she she said that we have to see the distressing desires of Christ and the poor after doing our holy hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament. So that's one of my favorite stories. Yeah, I like how that also makes the point that if we're trying to do it by our own strength, by our, our own power, we're missing out because we need the guidance and the, the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, another thing that might be good to talk about here, too, because St. Mother Teresa, of course, one of the most obvious examples from our lifetime of somebody who really lived out those corporal works of mercy. But I think it might be easy to say, okay, here's this beautiful, wonderful little nun and she devoted her life to helping the sick and the poor. But me here in the U.S., uh, you know, she was answering her calling. I have my family to take care of. I have a mortgage. I have bills. I have all these other obligations. And so we might make a donation and say, okay, this is how I can, I can help a little bit. But we don't get involved in the same way. We might kind of try and justify and say, yeah, that that's somebody else's calling. Can you talk about the importance of how we shouldn't just say this is for somebody else who has that calling, they've devoted their life. We all have the ability to help in some particular way those who are in need. Yes, Josh. I think sometimes we're, we're missing the boat in this sense that charity begins at home and most of our listeners are moms and dads. And you as a mother and father, you uh, have the obligation to to provide for your children, spiritually, morally, emotionally, but also with respect to preparing, preparing meals. I think um, what moms should try to do is recognize that when they're preparing their meals, for their children, they are really serving Christ in preparing that meal for their children as well as their husband. So I don't think we have to go very far uh, from the house. So charity begins at home. However, um, living in a big city, a 
in Los Angeles, what I've done over the past 10 years, because there are more and more homeless people, I will carry with me in my car granola bars and sometimes uh, packed lunches, imperishable food. And when I'm pulling off the freeway, you you almost always find uh, one or two um, of the homeless people. I'll roll down my window and I'll give I'll get to the poor. One occasion, uh, I was I had a lot of food that was stored in the back of my car, and I rolled down the window, and there was a poor person there, and I and I gave this rather bulky box of food. And the young and and, and the poor man blessed me. Very often I get these blessings, and I'm a priest, <laughs> so I'm getting this blessing from this poor man. And then he signaled, and I saw about four poor poor men came from underneath the bridge, and he was sharing this food that I gave with his other four poor people, and I was just so impressed. Uh, almost it's like the domino effect of charity. I'm I did an act of charity, and this this man was giving to four other homeless people that were living underneath the bridge. So uh, those are two things I like to say is that. Charity begins at home. Uh, being one of uh, of a big family, my mom probably spent many many hours there in the kitchen preparing for uh, a lot of kids, and um, that was part of her vocation to to cook for us so that we we'd have enough to eat at night. So I think sometimes we we can uh, go outside. Uh, the normal environment where we're called to sanctify ourselves and those who have chosen their married vocation with our kids, you sanctify yourself by serving those in front of you, and that would be your, your children and your husband. So those would be two examples I'd like to just communicate. Right. Well, I like the just the practical side of you know, having some non-perishable food, whether that's granola bars or, you know, something else that's, you know, boxed or canned that you can hand out to somebody who might be hungry, who needs something. Um, the other thing that maybe you can talk a little bit more about here, too, a lot of times when we think about we're going to make a donation or we're going to actively volunteer and do something that addresses one of these corporal works of mercy, okay, I'm going to do this and impact others. I'm going to help people. I'm going to make a difference in their lives. But as you talk about, you'll receive the blessing from somebody that you give to. Even though you're a priest, that person blesses you. And then also being able to see the generosity that that person that you specifically talked about shared with the other people there with them. You're also having your life impacted and transformed, and that happens for all of us. Even though we think we might be the one starting out to impact somebody's life. A lot of times it can be our life that's impacted just as much. Exactly. And I think that that's related to that first story I told with respect to St. Martin. St. Martin, um, you know, giving half half of his cloak to this poor person. As a result of that, he had that dream at night, and he saw Jesus wearing the cloak, and Jesus gave him the grace to enter into full communion with the church to become a Catholic, a priest, and a bishop. So, uh, and uh, Josh, one of my favorite verses is from St. Paul. He says, there's more joy in giving than in receiving. And I think we all know that when we can go out of ourselves and we can give generously, 
then we experience this inner peace in our souls. And Mother Teresa has this classical saying with regard to what we're talking about, we should give until it hurts, which means not simply give superfluous or extra things, but sometimes give in such a way that it kind of hurts our our purse there. That's uh, that's a charity, and um, one of the best definitions of charity, I think, is that of sacrifice. And if it's difficult for us to give, look up at Jesus on the cross and contemplate what happened on Good Friday, in which Jesus not only did he give, but he gave every drop of his precious blood for us. So always I think we have to refer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, you know, Joshua, not social workers, Mother Teresa said. A social worker was just helping for the sake of helping. But we're helping for the sake of serving Christ. And I love the fact that you started off with Matthew chapter 25, because... We're not simply helping a poor person, but Jesus said, I was hungry, you gave me to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was a foreigner, and you welcomed me. I was sick and in prison, and you and you visited me. When? Whenever you did to least to my brothers, you did it to me. So I think we have to have a, a supernatural uh, perspective or vision when we're, we're helping whatever person. That really is a person of Christ. And one of my priest friends says, that's the final exam when we go before the Lord in the Day of Judgment. Did we live out these uh, corporal works of mercy that are explained so clearly in Matthew chapter 25 that you started off with? So I'm, I'm glad you started off with that verse, which, which gives most of these corporal works of mercy. Talking with Father Ed Broom today, our spiritual director here on The Inner Life, and uh, been spending this first part of the hour talking about the corporal works of mercy. We'll continue that conversation, but also want to talk about the spiritual works of mercy. Always that we can help those who are in need in our community, the people that we come into contact with. And what are some of those ways that you have helped others in your community? And how has helping those in need how has that changed you? How has it allowed you to grow, grow closer to Christ? Just like Father Broom was saying, we don't help people for the sake of helping them. We help them for the sake of loving Christ. And how have you lived that out in your life? How has it made that difference for you? 888-914-9149 is the phone number you can call in and join our conversation here. 888-914-9149. You can also email us at innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll be right back after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and so glad to have you with us this hour as we're talking with our spiritual director, Father Ed Broom a priest with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, associate pastor at St. Peter Chanel Church in Hawaiian Gardens, California, and talking today about the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy. Spent a lot of time here in the first part of the hour talking about the corporal works of mercy, and we want to dive into the spiritual works as well. Also want to invite your calls as we're talking about this, and what are ways that you have been able to help those in need in your area, in your community? 
And how has that changed your life? How has helping those other people transformed you? How has it allowed you to go grow closer to Christ and see Christ in the faces of those that you're helping? Our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, uh, you went back to that passage from St. Matthew's 25th uh, chapter in his gospel, the parable about the sheep and the goats. And maybe before we move on into the spiritual works of mercy, we can talk about here, you you made reference, you know, a friend of yours says this is kind of the final exam here. And that's exactly what we see there in this parable. Jesus says that when the Son of Man comes and the nations are brought before him for judgment, will be separated the sheep on his right, the goats on his left hand, and the ones who have helped others in need. They gave, you know, they fed the hungry, gave drink to the thirsty, they visited those in prison, um, they clothed the naked, those sorts of things. They go off into heaven, into eternal paradise. But the ones who claimed they knew Jesus but didn't help those in need, they go off into eternal punishment. And while we don't want to just isolate this passage by itself and separate it out from the rest of Scripture and the rest of tradition, sacred tradition, and the full teaching about eternal salvation, it really does make a very, very direct uh, point here uh, that a very important part of us being children of God, being the Church, is helping others in need. You know, Josh, it's interesting you say that because... um Right now, <clears throat> popped up in my mind two parallel passages and that are very much similar to Matthew chapter 25, and it would be Luke chapter 10, and it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. You start off with um, the example of, of your 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 tire being blown out and several times, and how uh, how because of cell phone it's maybe less difficult to have the Good Samaritans, but I think Matthew chapter 25 and Luke 10 are very parallel, is uh, who is uh, who is my neighbor, Jesus asks in that parable of the Good Samaritan, whoever is in need, that's my, that's my neighbor. And then another one, Josh, would be Luke chapter 16, but there's a different slant to it. Luke chapter 16, you probably know, is the parable of uh, Lazarus and the rich man, or Dives and Lazarus. It's the only parable where Jesus actually mentions a name, uh, Lazarus. And you know that parable, we have um, this rich man that's, sumptu- that's uh, feasting sumptuously every day, almost as if every day is Thanksgiving. And you have Lazarus, uh, the poor man outside the gate. He's half naked. He's got wounds. The he longs to eat the scraps that fall from the table of the rich man. The dogs even come and they lick his wounds. Then they both die. Then the tables are turned. What do we have? We have Lazarus, who's in the bosom of Abraham, which is symbolic of heaven. Then we have the rich man who's cast in the fiery pit. Now, now, Josh, what, what, why was he cast? into the fiery pit, not so much for what he did do, but for what he failed to do. You know, when I start off Mass uh, every day, there are, there are various penitential rites, but I'll usually take the confidior. And there are four ways that we can fail. We, we can sin, be 
due to thought, word, deed, and omission. And what is omission? Omission means failing to do what we should be doing. And that might be a good examination of conscience for me and for our listeners. How often have we failed Christ by not doing what we're supposed to be doing? So um, I thought I would throw, throw out those, uh, those parallel biblical verses uh, to kind of complete our topic on the corporal works of mercy. Well, and I also wanted to share an email that just came in, too. I, I think this is a beautiful way of somebody being able to help in uh, what they already do, just as their everyday life. And Gail wrote in, she said, we own a dry cleaning business. And we give free cleaning to the deceased. So if a family needs a suit for maybe their father who passed away, or if the mother passed away in her favorite dress, it needs to be cleaned for the funeral, we clean it. And we don't tell them that we aren't charging them for it until they come to pick it up. And Gail says it usually brings tears, but it's tears of joy and appreciation, thankfulness, of course. And Gail says, at that point, I also say a few prayers for the deceased and their family. And I love that Gail doesn't have to go and try and reinvent the wheel to look at ways that she can help those who are in need. You know, being a part of that burying the dead, corporal work of mercy, she's able to do that just by the things that she's doing in her regular life, the business they own. Uh, great great example, Gail. I'm so glad you sent that through. But uh, Father, um, I think that's important for us too. Look for the ways that we can help around us that are available. You mentioned a mom being able to cook for her kids, you know, feeding the hungry. It doesn't have to be that far away from what we're doing in our, our normal everyday life. Absolutely. We have in our parish a poor program because we live in a kind of a lower middle class area of, uh, of L.A. And every Tuesday we have the poor people that come and we give them bags of food. Um, I, I spent many years helping out in the program, and what I would do was, uh, before giving them the the bag of food, I would spend uh, probably about a half hour with them. I'd, I'd pray the rosary with them. I'd sing some songs, and then I would give them like a catechesis. I'd take the gospel for Sunday, and then I would uh, I would uh, read it, and I would comment upon them. So it's kind of killing two birds with one stone. We would give them the food. Uh, the material needs, but then I would give them the uh, the spiritual. You know, Pope Francis in his document, The Joy of the Gospel, which is a wonderful document, a beautiful missionary document, where the Pope Francis says how sad it is that at times we provide the material means, food, clothing, shelter, and we have to do that. But then we forget to give the spiritual means because we're body and soul, and the body is important, but the soul is even more important. You know, the gospel today, Jesus says, what what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So we have to provide both for body and soul. And that's why this this section we'll we'll talk a a bit about the, the spiritual works of mercy, which are just as important. Well, and yeah, that that's... A perfect transition because let's first of all we have the corporal works of mercy we're able to look at that parable of the sheep and the goats we have now seven spiritual works of mercy we want to talk about is there any place in scripture that has that same sort of list that we can look at when it comes to the spiritual works of mercy I would say that they're interspersed but they're not as 
clear and categorical as the corporal works of mercy, and and um, they would be there are seven to admonish the sinner, to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to comfort the sorrowful, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive all injuries, and to pray for the living and the dead. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe you know, Josh, I don't see any those seven in one category like Matthew chapter 25, but you see them interspersed throughout all of sacred scripture. Right, and that would be my thought, too, is kind of in the same way that, you know, at certain places you do have lists, like with the the fruits of the Spirit, you know, with the corporal works of mercy. I, I'm not aware of any list that exists as you kind of went through those seven different spiritual works of mercy. Um, a lot of times those seem to be borne out maybe in the uh, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th centuries of Christian teaching as thoughts are being refined. And a lot of times you have, you know, uh, that perfect number seven, that number of completion that is given. And that's why we have the, um, um, oh, like the seven deadly sins or the seven capital virtues that can work against those. So I would imagine that this was probably out of uh, theological refinement, that we have the seven corporal works of mercy, while there are works that we can do spiritually to help those. That, that would be my, my layman's guess, Father. Yes. Yeah, I would say probably in time of the Church tradition, the fathers of the Church have probably refined it and categorized it in those seven specific spiritual works of mercy. But yeah, having them just in one categorical place in the Bible, I'm, I'm not aware of that. Well, so let's talk about a few of these. Um, you, you mentioned admonishing the sinner. That's the first one that you brought up. And that, uh, I, I mean, we always, I, I, I guess I won't say we. I'll speak for myself alone here. But I think many people are probably like me in this. I always like to be right. And it's pretty easy to tell somebody else, you're wrong. And um, the big difference here is, having mercy and love, charitable love, in the forefront of this. When we're admonishing sinners, we don't want to do it out of a kind of, I told you so, or you're in the wrong attitude. The goal here in admonishing somebody who is living in sin should really be, let's draw you out of that so that you can be as happy as you possibly can in this life. And the happiest that you can be is by knowing and being united with Christ. Exactly. Um, I see a certain parallel between admonishing the sinner as well as fraternal correction. Years ago, uh, Pope Bennett XVI, in his um, Lenten message that the Holy Father since John Paul II, would write a, a short Lenten message to give a theme for Lent, and this was probably about maybe 13 years ago, and it was the importance of fraternal correction. And, um, you know, Josh, you and your wife and your followers, if you have children, whether they like it or not, you know, you, you as parents, you have, to, you have to try to correct your children if they're, you know, if they're lying, they're fighting, they're saying bad words, they're lazy, they're not doing their schoolwork. I mean, you, you do it on a daily basis, not even aware of it, and um, it's, uh, 
it's a dimension of love because uh, you want you want the best for your children and it's true what you're saying because of our pride none of us really want to be corrected but um we all make mistakes what does the bible say the, the just man falls seven times a day so it has to be it has to be done and we as priests uh in our preaching sometimes we have to um speak about difficult topics uh, we've got to sometimes speak against contraception and and pornography and adultery, all those tough topics. So as as preachers of the Word of God, out of love for our faithful, sometimes we have to admonish the sinners. And now and then when we're preaching on these tough topics, uh, sometimes the people don't like it, but um, I I say either we're people pleasers or God pleasers. I think we have to... (laughs) I prefer to be a people pleaser, I'm sorry, a God pleaser rather than than the people pleaser. So uh, that's uh, one of my interpretations of that first one, to admonish the sinner. Talking with Father Ed Broom today here on The Inner Life, discussing the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy, the ways that we can help those in our lives. And how have you been able to help others in your life? How has helping somebody in need, whether it is physical need or whether it's spiritual need, how has that helped you in your relationship with Christ? How has it helped you to grow closer to Christ? Our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, Jose is calling in from Texas. Jose, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. Howdy. Thank you. Um, Father, I have a question for you. Um, my mom helps a lot of people, and uh, she helps them. She gives a lot of things for, for them, you know. One of them is my aunt. Um, but my aunt, uh, what, what, what her response you know, tends to be to hurt her, you know, she, she tends to do actions that won't help her. And I, I think the best uh, option for my mother is to stay away from her because she hurts her a lot. Um, my, my question to you, Father, is I, I know she's doing great for helping her and everybody else, right, that she helps, but how much is too much? When do you know it is better for you to stop? I know Jesus says you have to forgive uh, seven times seventy-seven or seven times seven. Um, but is there a way that is there a time when you need to stop? You know, for your own health. Yeah, I would say yes. I think that's wise if your mother is generously giving to your to to the aunt, and she's being snubbed, and she's being maybe rejected, maybe being hurt. In that case, I would say maybe pull back. And then um, another one of these spiritual works of mercy is to bear wrongs patiently as well as to forgive all injuries. So your mother would have the opportunity to forgive all injuries and practice practice mercy. And as you mentioned, our Lord says, be merciful as your Heavenly Father is merciful. And Jesus says, we're, yeah, we're, we're called to forgive 70 times 7 times, which means... Jesus is saying that there's no limit to mercy, but um, if you're giving to someone, the person is just uh, insulting you and and just upbraiding you because of, of charity, I would say your mother may be the channel or energy in another place, and then maybe pray for um, this person because I think she really needs prayers. No one, it's even on a natural plane, not to speak on the supernatural plane, if someone gives us a gift... We should be thankful. I was mentioning in the first part of the program, I, I give uh, granola bars or, or food to these homeless poor people living 
underneath the bridge, and these people, they smile at me, they thank me, they even bless me. So um, charity doesn't mean that we have to give people and just be um, insulted because of the charity we give. I think common sense would dictate the fact that we should maybe pull back from those people, but pray for them because they think they really need a conversion. Yeah. Jose, thanks for the call, and uh, a really good question. You know, another thing that as I'm listening to your response here, Father, I'm thinking that to bear wrongs patiently and to offer that forgiveness willingly, we want to show that mercy to somebody if they've wronged us, but we don't want to necessarily allow our merciful attitude to be an opportunity for someone to be able to continue to, to wrong us or to continue in possibly sinful behavior. Um, you know, it's bad for both of us because they continue in that sinful behavior. We deal with the consequences of that behavior. So it's not only just us, but we want to make sure, and I, I may, maybe this goes back to also kind of the instructing the ignorant, admonishing the sinner. There's a lot that could be tied up here together in what's happening with Jose and his mom, um, that allowing his aunt to kind of persist in this behavior, it's probably not doing her any favors to grow spiritually as well. You know, Josh, you mentioned it earlier, the the whole idea of the capital sins and the opposing virtues. Uh, what, a, what occurred to me when Jose was speaking is very often that uh, negative attitude comes because of the capital sin of, of envy. Who knows, maybe maybe the aunt uh, recognizing that her, her sister is so generous in, in giving to her as well as others, she's just moved by an attitude of envy. And What is envy? Envy is you feel bad because someone has something that you don't have. So um, that's why I think, you know, for example, to admonish the sinner, one of the best ways to admonish a sinner is to help the person to go to confession by making a good sacramental confession. That's really where the graces of God of conversion and mercy are applied in the most abundant way within the mystical body of Christ, the Church. Our spiritual director is Father Ed Broom today, a priest with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, and we're talking about the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy. Maybe you have a question about one of the works of mercy, and you'd like to speak with Father Ed Broom. You can call in 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Uh, also, if you go to our website, relevantradio.com, or if you click on the Relevant Radio app, of course, if you missed any portion of the broadcast from earlier in the hour. You can find it there. It'll be posted just in just a little bit after the show this afternoon. But I also want to encourage you to sign up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. Father Rocky is our executive director here at Relevant Radio, and he has uh, these, these walk-through lessons that help you understand the different parts of the Mass. Uh, there's text that you can have emailed to you. There's an audio version that goes along with that. And he has a video version. He started that last year and is continuing it this year. He only got through a portion of describing a lot of the things that we see when we walk into a church or a chapel. A lot of, uh, you know, going from the different vessels, the different um, uh, cloths that we might see there on the altar, uh, the vestments that the priest wears, he walks through everything so that you have this really well uh, understood, um, just kind of education series 
on what the Mass is and the, the meaning and the reason behind so much of what we see that we might not understand otherwise. So it's absolutely free. You can have this emailed to you daily throughout the course of Lent, and all you have to do is just sign up. You'll see a banner there for Lenten Lessons on the Mass at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. You can sign up either place, and I hope you do. It's a great way to learn more about the source and summit of our faith, the Eucharist, the Mass. Uh, Again, RelevantRadio.com or the Relevant Radio app. More to come with Father Ed Broom and your phone calls right after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today's programming is brought to you by St. Gregory Recovery Center in Iowa. More information about their faith-centered addiction treatment is available at RelevantRadio.com slash stgregory. back to the inner life. I'm Josh Raymonds. Today our spiritual director is Father Ed Broom, a priest with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, talking about the spiritual and the corporal works of mercy here during our hour, and also inviting your phone calls at 888-914-9149, Father, you went through the list of the spiritual works of mercy, and one of the things that I think with some of these different works Unlike the corporal works, being able to feed the hungry, uh, clothe the naked, you know, visit those in prison, it's very easy to identify the people that would fall into needs where we see the corporal works of mercy. I know that I can volunteer in different ways to help feed somebody who might be unemployed or homeless. Um, there, you know, there are prisons. I know I can go and visit those imprisoned um, hospitals and nursing homes where I can go and visit those who might be sick or infirm. As far as the spiritual works of mercy, some of them, it seems like we have to almost wait for some of the opportunities to arise. Not all of them. You know, praying for the living and the dead, we can do that at any point, of course. Um, Forgiving offenses willingly. Well, we can do that, but we have to be offended first. Um, you know, counseling, giving counsel to the doubtful. We won't necessarily just be able to walk in and see, oh, there's the group of doubtful people, you know, and we might not be the right person to talk to them either. It might have to wait for that one person that is experiencing doubt for whatever reason, and we have to be ready to respond when that moment arises. Is there a way that we can look and try and see more opportunities to practice these spiritual works of mercy? Or is it really just being ready when God brings that opportunity into our life to help somebody else in that way? Two thoughts occur to me. One is to pray to the Holy Spirit as well as to pray to our guardian angels and the guardian angels of others so that there would be the opportunities to do this. And, um, you know, the person of Philip the deacon, in the Acts of the Apostles. He's so docile to God, and he, he runs up beside the Ethiopian eunuch, and um, there he is. He's, he's reading Isaiah, and Philip is able to, to sit next to him and explain how this passage refers to Christ, the suffering servant. And then Philip ends up by baptizing this Ethiopian eunuch. So he was so, so very open to... Um, the movements of the Holy Spirit. So I think if we have a, 
a deeper union with the Holy Spirit in our lives, and the Holy Spirit will move us in the right direction. Um, but then in a practical application would be in your in your families, moms and dads have um, abundant opportunities to um, admonish their children, also to instruct the ignorant um Vatican II, as well as the Catechism of the Catholic Church, points out very clearly that the fir- the first educators of the children are the parents, both mom and dad. So, you know, parents sitting down, even with their little ones, and teaching them to pray the basic prayers, praying the rosary, maybe getting the children to uh, learn the Ten Commandments, utilizing modern technology to to transmit the truth. And, um, you know, we, we all we all go through, St. Ignatius calls it, the state of desolation, comforting the sorrowful. You know, we all go through a state of desolation. Uh, sometimes, uh, Josh, it's just a, um, it's a smile. Maybe it's a, a good word, uh, a word of comfort that can... Pe- pick people from a state of desolation and move that person to consolation. And, uh, you know, in the family, there are so many opportunities to uh, to practice mercy and forgiveness. I, I love the, um, maybe you've read the, the English poet Alexander Pope. Uh, he says, to err is human, to forgive is divine. You know, we all make mistakes. Only God is perfect. But the key is we have to live out uh, the gospel of mercy. We have to live out the Our Father, mm-hmm. which is a two-way street. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So I just feel um, that we have a lot of mothers that are probably listening to us right now and some, some fathers too. We have, I think we have the golden opportunity to put into practice four or five of these spiritual works of mercy almost on a daily basis. And then, of course, we should we should pray for the living, and we should pray for the dead. That's true. And who should we pray for among the living? There's a hierarchy. Josh, you should pre- you should be praying first for your wife, and then your children, and then your mom and your dad, and then your relatives. That's a the hierarchy according to Thomas Aquinas, hmm. starting with you know your your spouse, and then your children. Father, thank you so much for being here with us today. We're down to our last 15 seconds. And before we do conclude the hour, I always like to get a blessing for our listeners, if uh, you would uh, conclude us that way, Father. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Through the intercession of Mary, most holy, and St. Joseph, may God bless you and all of your listeners in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Ed Broom, thank you so much for being with us today. Also want to say thank you to Matt Beardsley and Patrick Alog for their help in producing the program. Stay tuned. Mass is coming up next. And of course, The Faith Explained right after that. And you can always find the podcast of this hour if you joined us late. It'll be posted here in a little bit on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. Have a blessed weekend.